our team of preachers at the table. She's going to proclaim God's word to us today. Let's pray for her. Father, thank you for Becky. I thank you for uh, the fact that she is offering herself to us today in study and preparation and proclamation. Lord, help us all to hear good news today from you through Becky. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. The Lord be with you. We have a practice here at the table of telling stories at the beginning of a sermon. And we do this because it gives us more of a context for the text. It kind of grounds us in that and connects us to the narrative of the gospel reading. Last week, Ben told a beautiful story from The Great Divorce, one of my favorite books that was full of depth and meaning. And I just wanted to let you know I'm kind of deviating from the path because I'm just going to tell you a funny story today. There's no deep meaning to it. It doesn't have any hidden messages. It just is actually kind of relevant to the text. So here's my story. A few weeks ago, I went to get my hair cut. I went to a new person that had been recommended to me by some of my coworkers. They'd been talking about how great she was, and I thought, I'm going to try this person out. So I'm sitting in the chair getting my hair cut, And we're just making small talk about my hair. I'm talking about how I'm kind of jealous of people who can go long stretches without washing their hair because my hair runs on the oily side. What that means for me is I can go two days max without washing my hair, and that second day, I only get through it using dry shampoo. If you don't know what dry shampoo is, it's a powdery substance in an aerosol can. You shake it up and you just spray it in the roots of your hair and kind of work it in. So I usually do that either before going to bed at night or when I wake up in the morning, and it kind of soaks up the oils. So that's kind of a secret women have to not shower. (laughs) So as we're talking about this, she tells me that something that she does actually is use body spray instead of dry shampoo. She said it's mostly made of alcohol, so it absorbs the oils. I'm not a scientist, so when my hairstylist tells me something, I tend to believe her. And so she recommended I try that out. And she recommended using a scent like vanilla or lavender, some kind of natural scent. So once I was done getting my hair cut, I went over to Bath and Body Works and looking for a body spray, like she recommended. So I went over to the warm vanilla scent, and I'm smelling it, and immediately having flashbacks of junior high and high school years. And I thought, that scent stays in the past where it belongs. (laughs) I can't do that. So then I'm working my way, walking my way over to where the lavender scent is, and on the way, I see the rose scent. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. So I smell it, and I thought, that's it. That's what I want my hair to smell like. So I buy it. And that night, as I'm going to bed, I spray it in my hair. Now, normally when you do a body spray, you just do a quick spritz of it. But my head is thinking, this is supposed to work like a dry shampoo. So I spray it layer upon layer in my hair. And it's not till I'm done that I realize what I have just done. (laughs) My hair was drenched in body spray. It was overpowering. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that's a little too generous with perfume or cologne, but that's what I smelled like. And that's how I went to bed. 
And I didn't sleep well that night because all night long I could smell that. It was in my hair, it was on my pillow. The smell haunted me. The worst part is I still had to shower the next day because I had to wash the smell out of my hair. So I'm telling you that story because we have a story here about a woman having perfume in her hair. Like I said, there's no deeper meaning. I just can very much relate to this story in a very real way. So as we move into the text, it says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The core of this message is a woman named Mary lavishly pouring perfume on the feet of Jesus and wiping it up with her hair. And we can chalk this up maybe to another weird biblical story because it it was kind of weird back then too. It wasn't normal for a woman to pour perfume on a man's feet and it certainly wasn't normal for her to wipe it off with her hair. It was actually borderline scandalous. So you can imagine, as they're in this home at this dinner party and she's doing this, the awkwardness in the room, the whispers, the uncomfortable silence as they're watching this woman do this scandalous thing. And nobody knows why. And we don't either, because the text doesn't say why Mary does it. Perhaps it was an act of adoration. Jesus had recently raised her brother Lazarus from the dead, and so Maybe that's why she did it. Perhaps she realized how precious it was to have Jesus there in their presence. And so it was an act of love and devotion. The one thing we do know, it was actually a prophetic act. It signalized the imminent death of Jesus on the cross and prepared him for his burial. Mary, this woman, saw and recognized something that the rest of the disciples did not. She was prepared and saw the coming of the death of her master and Messiah, something the rest of the disciples didn't actually see. In an act of extravagance, Mary wasted perfume on the feet of Jesus and with tender attention wiped it off with her hair. She wasn't counting the cost. The passage said it was worth a year's wages. She poured out the best that she had to offer to her Savior. And what did Jesus do? He received her gift, and he also defended her against her critics. The passage goes on to say, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Judas is offended by the excessiveness, the waste as he refers to it. He's living in this mindset of scarcity. Mary's gift was criticized by others, but it was appreciated by Jesus. 
And Mary didn't do it to gain the praise accolations of others. She brought it to Jesus because she loved him and she wanted to show him that. And you can be sure that when we bring our best to Jesus, our best gifts we have to offer, he also appreciates that too. Throughout the Gospel of John, it's clear to us that wherever Jesus is present, there's abundance. And that's what our good news is today. Where Christ is present, there is abundance, both in the giving and in the receiving. And we have multiple examples of this throughout the book of John. At the wedding in Cana, Jesus transforms 180 gallons of water into wine, more than the wedding guests can even consume because of abundance. He takes 5,000 hungry people and feeds them with 12 baskets of leftovers, and that's abundance. When Peter is out fishing all night and comes back empty-handed, Jesus tells him to cast his net on the other side of the boat, and he brings it up full with fish. Because wherever the presence of Christ is, there is abundance. And Mary's lavish gift is right in line with the lavish gifts and abundance of Christ. She gives him an abundant gift with no strings attached. Does that sound familiar to you? Jesus himself is an extravagant gift of God. He offered the best that he had himself because of his love for us. He deems us as precious just as Mary deemed Christ as precious. Wherever the presence of Christ is, there is lavishness and abundance and extravagant giving. And the beautiful thing about this passage is Jesus doesn't discriminate between those who are giving abundantly and those who aren't. We have this, these contradictory characters in Mary and in Judas. This story shows us that those accompanying Jesus include the, those who are giving to Christ of all they have and those who are hoarding what it doesn't even belong to them. We have this faithful disciple and this unfaithful disciple, and Jesus knows both. It's, G- Judas's future acts don't surprise Jesus. He knew what was coming, and yet Jesus includes Judas also in his intimate circle because he's, Jesus doesn't operate in the mindset of scarcity. He acts with abundance. Both of these people are included, and their inclusion tells us a great deal about the meaning of the all-inclusive nature of God. In one of the commentaries I read in preparing for this, it said, in John's all-encompassing gospel, Mary is not simply the righteous elect and Judas the unrighteous betrayer, The grace of Jesus Christ includes them both, both the faithful and the unfaithful alike. Both are included within the bright, transforming light the cross casts on a dark world. 
I want to jump back to my story now. I told you a moment ago. Because as I read this text, it hit me in an entirely different way after having gone through that experience. Things that had never popped out to me before were popping out to me now. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume, just like my bedroom was filled with the fragrance of body spray. And smell is the strongest of our senses. It can immediately bring you back to a memory that you've had or, or something that you treasure or something that you don't. It brings back feelings. And there are certain smells I can't smell just like warm vanilla without being brought back to a certain time that I would just rather not relive. And I've been wondering if that's how it was for Mary as well. That every time she would smell that smell of nard, if it would bring her back to being in the presence of Christ. And what a treasure that would be. Now, I have a luxury Mary probably didn't have. I have a shower at my home. I can wash my hair often. Back then, that wasn't the case. We don't know how often Mary washed her hair. The chances are, though, that she didn't wash the perfume out of her hair the next day, that it probably lingered with her for a little while. What's so interesting to me about this is at the beginning of this passage, the text says that this story took place six days before the Passover, which means it's entirely possible that that smell of perfume lingered in her hair as Christ's body hung on the cross. And that just gets me. There's something about that, that the idea that you would still have such a tangible memory and representation of having Christ with you as he is dying. that she could catch a whiff of it and remember what it would be like to be sitting at his feet as her Savior was dying on the cross. And maybe she washed her hair a couple days later. I don't know. But like Mary, during Lent, we live our lives in the shadow of the cross, but we also live in the presence of the risen Christ. And we have the same invitation to be in companionship with Jesus. And whether that be here at the table or in an extravagant gift like Mary did or in acts of worship, Christ is present with us. And wherever Christ's presence is, there is abundance. We live in a world with a mindset of scarcity. But Christ offers us Abundance, both in giving and in receiving. And our acts of extravagant devotion, wherever God has placed us, bring honor to Christ. Even when those like Judas think those acts are wasted, even when the world lives in this mindset of scarcity, God wants us to have a mindset of abundance and that the waste of our time or resources or money 
aren't a waste to him. What others may call insignificant or wasteful are a sweet aroma that fills the house just like Mary's perfume. And this act for Mary took sacrifice. It was worth a year's wages. It wasn't something easy. It wasn't taken lightly. So I'm wondering for us what it would look like to live in the same kind of abundance. And I want to ask you today what your nard is. What is your perfume? What is the thing that you hoard that already belongs to Jesus? And how could you instead lavishly pour that out for him? And I also want to ask you, what is the thing that brings you back into the presence of Christ? For Mary, it may have been whenever she caught a whiff of this aroma. And for you, perhaps it's time alone. Perhaps it's a walk in nature. Perhaps it's unplugging from electronics. But what would bring you back into the presence of Christ? For our time of response today, I'd like to invite you to participate in imaginative prayer with me. And if you aren't familiar with imaginative prayer, it's simply the act of imagining scripture in your head or a conversation with God. And I'd like us to practice that today. So I invite you to close your eyes. And I invite you to place your hands in your lap with your palms facing down. And I invite you to take a deep breath. And I now invite you to picture this moment between Jesus and Mary. To imagine what the perfume might have smelled like, perhaps a bit sweet and earthy to imagine what the coarseness of Jesus' feet would have felt like as she rubbed the perfume on them. They're probably coarse for miles and miles of walking. To imagine how his face might have looked as he watched Mary show her love with tenderness and extravagance. And I now invite you to picture yourself offering Jesus your own gift, to pour it out before him without calculation or cost of what others will think. As Jesus receives this gift, I invite you now to turn your hands with your palms facing up. Christ is the giver of abundance, whether it be wine or fish or life. And I invite you to sit in his presence and receive.
May your gift be wasted in honor of Jesus, and may Christ's presence be abundance to you. Amen. 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 Friends, we've heard good news today that wherever Christ is, there is abundance, both in the giving and in the receiving. So we don't need to be afraid to offer our bodies, to offer ourselves to the Lord without restraint, knowing that what we receive from Him far exceeds all that we give to Him. We can go in that knowledge. Amen. We can also go in the knowledge that the aroma of this act of worship that we have participated in together will, will go with us and will bring our minds and our hearts back to this space where we are speaking with the Lord and the Lord is speaking with us. And we go into this world as the body of Christ, as those who are the aroma of Christ. Amen? Yeah. Friends, the worship is over. The service is beginning. Receive the benediction. Go now and press on in the path to which God has called you. Do not get caught up in the things of the past or in the things that the world prizes, but welcome the new things God is doing and take the new paths that open through the places of death. And may God pour life-giving waters into your wilderness. May Christ Jesus make you his own. And may the Holy Spirit strengthen you for the race that lies before you. Amen. 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 Brothers and sisters, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. God. Amen. Amen.